Find Your Faith with the Find Your Faith podcast. There's a Shakespeare quote that I absolutely love and it's out of Much Ado About Nothing, a film that I used to watch over and over again as a child. And the quote is, life is a giddy thing. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been working really hard behind the scenes to launch my Ultra Trail Australia training packages and also probably more excitingly for me to release my trail running guidebook, the Find Your Feet trail running guidebook. The guidebook has really been just like a massive download of everything that had been in my brain about trail running and I think all the sort of little elements that I've learned over the years that have come together and I guess realised that there was a book in all of this. It's pretty scary to stand up and ask for I guess recognition financially of the work that has gone into these resources and I've kind of quite proudly you know, wanted to be able to say that these resources were there and free for everyone to use because the last thing I wanted to do was to trap this high-level knowledge that elite athletes use to enhance their own performance and their enjoyment of their sport um, and, yeah, trap it up at that elite end and not make it available to you or others as the recreational end of the sport. But I got to the point where there was just been so much love and time and labour that have gone into these resources that it was starting to affect my ability to be able to continue doing this. So I'm really excited to bring to you my guidebook. Um, It's about a 100-page document which goes through, like I say, everything that I know about running on the trails. I've decided that the price tag for it is $14.95, but it's a PDF download and once you've got it, you've got it forever. If you're striving for races, particularly the Ultra Trail Australia in the 22, 50 or 100 kilometre events, I have put together training packages which include the guidebook for free. So as part of the package, you'll get your six-month training plan. You'll also get a 20% discount to my business, Find Your Feet, which is an outdoor retail store predominantly specialising in trail running. And you'll get this guidebook for free. So it's a pretty, um, pretty awesome little package and those people who download the package will get regular updates and training support from me. Plus, uh, for a limited amount of time that I have each week, I am open to consults with those people who are using those training plans and have read the guidebook. Um, so if you're really interested in having a look at these resources and maybe getting a copy, jump onto my website, um, www.hannyalston.com.au and you'll find those resources there. Any dramas, obviously shoot me a message, Facebook, email or through the website and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. Today's podcast hits a little bit closer to home for me. I'm not... I'm not excited to release this one because the topic sits around mental health and I believe that it's hard to get excited about talking about the struggles of mental health. But I am excited to introduce to you Ben, who came into my world when I moved back to Tasmania around three years ago and when we opened Find Your Feet down here. Ben has an amazing story to tell and I think today's podcast is more 
of a story, more of a conversation between the two of us where we peel back layer upon layer upon layer and become, to be honest, fairly brutally honest about some of the struggles that we've both been through in our lives and what that has meant for what we've gone on to do as people. I don't think either of us have all the answers to the struggles of mental health because I feel like everyone is different and we're all on different points of the journey. And what became really apparent when I was talking to Ben in this podcast today was that he's quite early on in his journey of coming back from some pretty dark places uh, in his young life and that he doesn't yet have all the answers for us. But he's willing to walk towards that edge of discomfort, that place where I say success lies, and to be able to say to you and I, you know what, I've been to this dark side. I get what it feels like to be in a place where I'm struggling sometimes. But I am willing to be honest and open with all of you because I know that it's going to help you and I to come back from this. Ben's love affair with trail running and long distance ultra running, some of which I I really can't get my head around, such as treadmill running, has helped him to find the better version of himself and the one that he can identify with the strongest. It's put him back on a journey to being a father and it's starting to create exciting ideas about what he can do as a new career, a healthier career away from the chefing industry, which was where I think all his troubles began. Ben is so honest in this podcast and it led me to being so honest in this podcast. So both of us, by releasing this, are feeling a little bit exposed But I hope that it can give you the confidence as you listen to this podcast to think about your own story. And if you too have experienced mental health or are feeling a little bit blue at times, I hope that some of the questions I asked Ben can help you to to look inside yourself and peel back your own layers and think about how you can continue to foster the best version of you. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with the beautiful Ben Hurst. Ben, awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for joining in the conversation on the Find Your Feet podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a joy. And um, we're sitting here in my humble abode at home. Uh, We live in a one-bedroom studio, but... (laughs) It's very homely. (laughs) Yeah, it's very homely. And, uh, And life can be a giddy thing, and this is sort of suitable for us right at the moment, but probably tells a story like what we're going to talk about today, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Ben, um, you have an incredible story to tell. Uh, I think that this one is really going to hit a lot of the listeners today. I'm really interested, though, when we were talking earlier and via email, you said that you wanted to dedicate your life to running. Um, Can you explain that statement? Because that's a pretty bold statement for 28 years of age. Yeah, well, and... To be honest, I've actually I've only really started running only a few years back, and um, the statement was more, I guess, how running sort of had an effect on me um, so quickly, mm-hmm. and for me, dedicating myself to running was sort of dedicating myself to, you know, being able to maintain my mental health and you know all the all the relationships that have come from. Um, yeah, from my running journey so far and being able to actually 
let people sort of in on my story and, and maybe they can sort of find some similarities to actually help their, their own mental health as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of sort of aspects to, um, it's a bit hard to, <laughs> a bit hard to sort of nail it down, but basically it's, yeah, it's, um, just trying to let people know how much it sort of means to me as well. Yeah. Well, it already, I mean, there are already similarities with my own story. So I know that your story definitely is of benefit to so many of us here. But, um, you know, in two years, that's a pretty phenomenal, uh, I guess, athleticism and set of achievements that you've accomplished in such a short period of time. I mean, you've gone from, yeah, like you say, just starting out in running to running 100k at Ultra Trail Australia, you're... Um, this weekend heading over to the Great Ocean Walk right. 100 yeah. kilometers and yep. um, you've done a 324 kilometer run is it? Uh, I've um, well I've done I've run from Burnie to Hobart which is about, about 340 340 yeah. yeah but um, there was a, another race but I yet to complete it yet so but that's about 220 kilometers yeah. yeah and then aspirations next year to get into more you've got a 48 hour treadmill challenge i think you've said yeah so. yeah so sort of um just trying to get into the really sort of mentally challenging um quite boring sort of runs but just sort of focusing on on how far i can go just to, you know just with um just on the spot really i just want to say sort of where uh, how far my body can take me and, and you know, how sort of, sort of mentally strong I am. Um, I find, like in, in the 100-kilometre races, um, you get the beautiful scenery and the, um, you, you know, there's trails and beaches and just you just sort of get taken away and then, you know, 10 kilometres go past and you're like, you, you know, you don't even sort of remember it. So having it just um, right on the spot, you know, sort of look at, focusing on the numbers and, everything like that, I think it's, it's probably one of the greatest sort of challenges out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely get the the trail running element and the mm. beauty that you can see and be exposed to over the course of a long-distance trail run. I don't really get, I have to admit, the treadmill challenge, uh, nor do I easily get my head around what it's like to run around a track for 24 hours, which I know is one of your ambitions. So. Yep. You, you know, we're going to get into your story in a little bit and obviously you've come through some really dark moments in your life, but why would you choose ultra running and I guess creating more pain and more mental challenge for yourself when, you know, you're overcoming other mental challenges? I think for me, my motivation to begin with and my, let's say, just overall sort of confidence was just at a such a, a low and um not being able to sort of um think of you know what you're gonna be what your life's gonna become or you know what are you gonna do in the next sort of 10 years just sort of thinking when you know when you're gonna get out of bed is probably one of the mm. big things but I think just throwing myself in the deep end like my first ever ultra and being able to finish it um after over a day just gives you that that boost that maybe there is a chance that you can you know you can actually um achieve anything really so Mm. doing these sort of these runs I've been more open to sharing them with with everyone because I'm really just the sort of the average person out there and 
it's more to encourage people to actually step outside their, their comfort zone and, and actually tell them that they can do anything that, you know, they want to achieve. It's just the whole, um, the brain sort of telling you, you know, you're not, not good enough or, you know, you can't do it. So it's just trying to encourage people that, you know, to try and get that confidence by just getting outside and seeing what happens. So I want to frame this discussion then because it, it's hard for, I guess, our listeners to understand the significance of the goals that you've set yourself and the accomplishments that have gone with them if we can't understand your story. Um, you're Tasmanian by heart, by nature. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, we were just chatting, but we grew up in a similar suburb, well, not even suburb, rural area yeah. south of Hobart. Um, what was your childhood like? Um, childhood was actually, and that's the thing, my childhood was actually great. Um, I've got three brothers and, um, we actually, we moved out to the rural countryside. I suppose it's not too far, but it, it felt like we were the only ones there at the time because we were the first house built. So it was amazing. We sort of, we didn't stay inside. We, I was fortunate because I was fortunate enough to have brothers. We went and played cricket. We explored the, you know, the bush that was around, um, and we'd spend all the day out there and then just sort of come back by tea time so it was just it was actually amazing to um before sort of a lot of technology came in and, yeah. and that sort of things so i used to love the you know adventures we had um just with the, even with the neighbors that we'd just go out and explore i can't believe that we never stumbled across one another in our gumboots out in the in the hills and dales of sandfly because that, that was exactly the childhood that i had you know this yeah if if there was one word to describe it for me it would be relatively perfect yeah. Um, just roaming around outdoors all the time. Um, really, you know, really incredible place to grow up. So I can, I can hear that one and I can sense, yeah. I can even see just... and hear the joy in your voice yeah. and on your face as you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really carefree and, um, and that's sort of part of why I love trail running so much because it does bring me back to those moments. Yeah. I, oh, I totally, um, we we had a little group of like the five of us and it felt like the famous five story books <laughs> rolling yeah, around. We had two yeah, two two um two neighbours that used to come with us. That, yeah. And, yeah. It was Fantastic. amazing. Yeah. So what you know, what did your parents do when you were growing up, like for their career or work? Um, so mum mum took a, a a fair bit of time off uh looking after us four kids four, so she, four boys yeah <laughs> exactly right so but um she she um went back to work pretty early um for RECT okay um which is good because uh when my car breaks down all the time she <laughs> bails me out um and my dad dad's always sort of he's worked in um yeah like as a technician sort of fixing um fixing things he's just he can sort of fix anything, to be honest. He, but he he works as like uh, fixing cash registers and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So, but he's the sort of one I always um, call upon to help me in a <laughs> when anything's sort of gone wrong. So can he, he open my window that's permanently stuck? Yes, I reckon he could. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll have to call him on him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's always a sort of but he's that approachable that I can just call upon at any time. Yeah, and is that in every sense of the word? Abs- absolutely yeah, yeah okay yeah and so where do you fit into the boys are you i'm second o- second oldest yeah, right. so uh trent is 30 mm-hmm. i hope he doesn't mind me saying this no he uh, <laughs> and um so, uh, yeah i've just turned 29 and um yeah and there's a four-year gap between matt who's my 
um, yeah, the second youngest, and then mm. Brady, who's the youngest at um, 22. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so did your parents instill in you this belief that, I mean, the, the belief that you have that you can do whatever now you set your heart and mind to do, was that a belief that they instilled in you? Or? I think so. They, they never really pushed me into anything. That I, for instance, my dad was a really good hockey player, like really good. Um, didn't know he played hockey until age 12. I played mm-hmm. football. I played the football and cricket, you know, that most sort of boys grew up with. So and I was quite, quite mad at him at the time that I didn't, that, you know, I could have started really young and, you know, I missed out on a few years of getting better, but I eventually fell in it. But he sort of, he gave up um, hockey a fair bit to just to, you know, to be um, and be with us. So, mm. um, but yeah, he never really mentioned it at all. But he was a bit of a legend around, yeah, around the hockey centre. So. Wow, fascinating. And so what were your aspirations then as you, you know, got into those influential years? I mean, I remember year seven, a teacher sitting us all down in a circle and going, right, so what do you all want to be when you grow up? Um, did you have an aspiration? Or you just... No, not, not really. And, um, and they sort of, you have, I don't know, there's a, a pressure that you have to sort of figure out, out early on. But I just, I, yeah. and to be honest, I never really fit into a, a, a passionate career and still really ha- haven't found you know a career for me um, I think it's been really hard like you and I are very similar age and um, have a really similar upbringing even to the point of a parent you know being quite good at sport like, so my mum was an elite swimmer but I definitely think that our generation has it really hard because we're kind of wedged in the middle of like the I don't want to upset anyone on, on this podcast, but the, the older generation in quotation yeah. marks who yeah. definitely had that. We have a career. We pursue yeah. that until, you know, retirement, you know, and it was very much understood that when you grow up, I want to be, whereas the generation behind us are in this, you may have 40, 50, 60 different jobs in your career yeah. and it's fine to, to move well between them and across the board and yet we're kind of right in the middle do you feel that as well absolutely I, I just yeah it was just quite overwhelming just thinking about all the different choices and and it kind of felt like I you know I didn't want to be locked in to doing something that mm. um I wasn't 100% you know set on but then there was also a thing you know I really wanted to do something outdoors but didn't think I was good enough to you know get there as well and do all the um the tests and that sort of thing. So I kind of just just forgot about it. Drifted a little. <laughs> Drift, drifted, yeah. yeah. Um, but I never didn't really have the the motivation. I was well into my sport, but really didn't have my, any motivation to pursue any sort of any career path. Was it just a lack of motivation, or was there something deeper than that that you've learned to identify <clears throat> with? Possibly, I think I I never had a hell of a lot of confidence in myself, and my self esteem was quite low so and that's ever since sort of school as well so I love sport because I was I knew I was good at it so it gave me that that was my sort of safe safe thing me too but anything <laughs> yeah. else and especially yeah in terms of um, being academic yeah well out of my comfort zone and yeah sort of didn't sort of take any opportunities or you know I wasn't willing to try anything different so um, I think it just yeah that's what happened were there people around you who supported you to try to foster 
that self-confidence or development with your academia or were you just left to kind of drift at that point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think it would have worked if someone pushed me into it because I'm not that... I don't, You're I'm, the rebel. <laughs> I don't really like to be... I don't know. I, I don't think it would have worked if someone had, had sort of said, hey, you know, you need to do this or... Yeah, knuckle down. I wouldn't have responded very well to that. I don't know. It's just, it's something... I don't know if that's something I, I regret because I'm uh, not doing because I still don't know, really know what I want to do. So I can't really go back and go, oh, I would have done this because uh, I'm still finding out. But, um, you know, running for me sort of, I know it's not a career, but <laughs> it's something that I, I've, you know, I, I like to spend a lot of time. But that's into, exactly so. what we're saying. Yeah. We're, we're in this, in this between a rock and a hard place yeah. where it is potentially a career now. To, yeah to love running and to want to do something with a love and a passion for something. And there's plenty of cases now of people who are creating amazing careers out of just random things that they love. And I certainly know, you know, for me, my story was that I wanted to study medicine and was well and truly going down that path when I got blown off course by mental health and life events. And when that happened, then there was there was suddenly no backup, you know, yeah. and I never expected to have find your feet and to be sitting here now talking about mental health and running and sharing that with the globe. But randomly, I think that's okay now. <laughs> like, did it, did it just come out of the blue or find your feet? Or why did... are you asking me questions now? <laughs> yeah. Did it come out of the blue? Um, yeah. You know what it, it did for me? So I, I went through a, a number of years, probably in reality, six, seven years where I really struggled with mental health, um, with a lot of internal pressure and to some degree external pressure. And I didn't, didn't cope very well with it and turned to things like poor nutrition and just driving myself into the bone to deal with it. Um, and really got back to Tasmania and found myself just saying to people like, I just, I just need to find my feet. And it was at the time when Point to Pinnacle was on and yeah. I saw all these adults kind of plodding up the road, making it look pretty, pretty awful and, yeah. and, you know, really isolating. And I thought, you know, maybe there's something in this, like maybe until I work out what, you know, how to find my feet, maybe I can just teach adults to run. And it was as simple as that. It was, yeah. it was never a business. It was, I still don't think of it like that. Like I see it as, as a need to help people and a resource and, so I kind of like, I've gone well off track here, but I do believe that it is a classic example of our generation, which is trying to, I guess, limbo between feeling that we need to have careers and then yeah. realizing that there's a real beauty that can come out of just pursuing something that you intimately love and believe in. And mm. and I'm I'm getting the gist of that in your conversation that, that was the that was one of the challenges that you were grappling with as you were growing up. Yeah, definitely. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. So, so what happened for you? You know, like great upbringing, and then I and think um, so. I after after school, I fell straight into um, cooking. So, <laughs> I did. I did. I in, in grade eleven and twelve, I just picked a hell, all these such a range of courses from. Um, physical sciences to um, motor mechanic wow. courses and and of course um, cooking. So, and one of the one of the benefits for the cooking class was you everyone pretty much got a job 
after it because they did work experience. So that was pretty. I was pretty keen to get out and earn some money. So um, I got a job at Customs House Hotel um, and started uh, washing dishes and making desserts and that sort of thing. And um, but I, so, I soon discovered the the culture that's that uh, happen that yeah happens in. Um, being a chef and hospitality and the work hours sort of got, I was sort of, I was almost 18 so, and turned 18 pretty early on. So um, having that sort of pint of beer after work, everyone sort of looked forward to, but it sort of slowly became um, revolving around sort of alcohol and, and even, you know, before work and during work and that sort of thing. So I think um, that's sort of where it sort of started. And the other aspect is having a having all your friends go to uni or do bits and pieces, but you're in a different, you work different hours to them. You don't get to see them. Yeah, um, that must have been so isolating. Yeah, so there's the, the two elements, but and that fuels a lot of the, the drinking and that sort of thing as well. But you basically you, your friends become your workmates because they knock off at 12 at night and, you know, and that sort of thing. So... I think that was a huge part of I'd had to make a whole other group of friends again and it's a, it was a very isolating experience. And it can feel like the ship sails without you in that scenario because I, I remember a similar occurrence when I dropped out of med school and you know basically had to wave goodbye to all these people who you know were continuing on on that trajectory and yeah. I was on suddenly a different ship going a different way or feeling like I'm standing on the shore and just started waving it goodbye. It's a... It's a weird feeling, hey, it's incredibly yeah. isolating. I um I, but I also there was a bit in me that I, I kind of felt like I'd I'd sort of there was um, I I was in you know a group of friends that were quite academic, so they were they'd already had their pathway and they were acing everything and they were all sort of at un- university and, and they had jobs and everything, so I kind of felt like I was I wasn't really up to up to par at that stage as well, even mm. even though I, I I was on a career path, but it was a career path I wasn't really into at mm. all. So I kind of, I yeah, it's sort of it's hard because you kind of feel yeah feel alone, but you don't feel like you're doing something that you enjoy either. Um, and you're not sure who I'm guessing you could turn to because it was kind of normal in your new group of friends, and yet your old group of friends would probably struggle to understand what your new life was like. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. it's a. That culture was just yeah so, so different to what they're probably used to, and it's a, a very blokey sort of culture too. So there's no way you'd sort of, like it just became normal, and that's what I th- I just thought that was normal of of that sort of that career. So. So ten years on, do you think that industry has changed at all, or is it still? still I don't think so. No, yeah. I don't think so. I think it's, I think there's a huge problem, and and you only have to look at the people that stay in the industry. And see see what how it's impacted their life. Um, mm. And every person I talk to, and I only met a person the other day who was a had been in the industry for a while, and you know, he sort of struggled to have a family and keep a family together and that sort of thing. And it really starts impacting yeah impacting your life that way. It's tragic because it's such a creative industry, and it could be it could be beautiful. <laughs> and that, and that, there is people that come out of it, um, oh, and yeah. they're really just really intelligent people and what they create they what they create from food is just amazing but it's it's you know it's one in 
you know, one in 50 sort of thing at the moment. And, um, but it, I think it, yeah, it just needs to be sort of, it needs to change really. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like it. And so if you were, you know, 18 when this kind of lifestyle started, what, what, like what age were you when you finally got to a point where you realized you needed to change or to get help and, and how dark do you mind me asking, did it actually get for you during that time? So it would have been, it was a long time because I just, I didn't even realise I had a problem with drinking either. Um, but it was a, from 18, it was probably till I'd say 25, 26. Oh, wow. So a long period of time. Um, but it sort of, it all came sort of tumbling down after a long-term um, relationship sort of breakdown so and that kind of just basically because I'd spent I'd spent it we'd sort of spend every time every day together I'd sort of now I'm, I'm isolated again and back to that sort of period back when I was 18 so because I was so comfortable with um, drinking that was my sort of outlet to um, just as well I never and I never knew I had an underlying sort of mental health problem anyway so I just drinking was sort of how I coped with things, but I um, at that point I I kind of didn't feel like I had anything. It saved up a lot of a lot of money for my future and that sort of thing as well, and kind of did similar to what you're doing, sort of bunker down with someone to save save rent and uh, save money for a house. <laughs> and I um, so I had actually I probably had a house deposit. Um, wow. And blew it in less than two years. Just on, just on alcohol. Just on alcohol and going out and having pretending to have a good time and mm. um, going to meet people because I was, you know, by, by myself. So, um, and, then I, and then I actually turned it into a, a deficit as well on top of that. So, oh and that's, so that basically it was just a, a number of things. And, um, you know, I, I got to a point where I really couldn't survive on my own anyway. I could, you know, I couldn't, I hadn't. I sort of quit my job because I wasn't. It wasn't good for good for me, um, and I, yeah, I couldn't afford my rent anymore. So because I I chosen to on other use it on other things. I was sort of I was just I got to a point and I remember it was after New Year's. Oh, it was it was towards the end of the year and I just I just sent a, a message to my parents and it was this was the second time I'd moved back um, and just said you know I can't can't do it anymore. And they were, they were, I'm you know, fortunate enough to have parents that and have that access to, you know, a safe space to go back, you know. And I just, I sort of just moved what I had left and head back to Sandfly. And Sandfly was sort of the, the perfect, perfect place. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nice safety net to yeah. go back to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess at that point you started embarking down a road of recovery. Yes. And is that where the running began to fit back into your world or? It, it did. I, I had run, basically I, I'd actually run um, a marathon and the, I actually ran the 100 kilometre, my first ever, the Ultra Trail Australia as sort of halfway through, not even, I was, hadn't even recovered yet. So I actually, that, that sort of prompted the recovery. I think it made me want to continue it more because I, I knew how much it, how much better I felt after I had got home after it. So. so how did you 
Like, how did you get involved in that Ultra Trail Australia 100K so, as part of your recovery? Well, so the, the story, basically, I was at the pub and near, um, it was around sort of the Christ, Christmas period, sort of having, having a few drinks like I usually do, and I bumped into a, a group of friends and someone was wearing a um, big shiny belt, um, <laughs> as you'd be familiar with. Yeah. And he was talking about this race over in the Blue Mountains and how he'd completed it and got this belt and um, they were going to do it again. You know, and he he sort of, I never thought anyone would, would at that stage, I thought no one would run more than a, a marathon. Like I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing. But the more and more he talked about it, the more I thought it was just something that, you know, I just thought because it, it was so crazy and out there, I just thought, you know, I have to try and do, I need to do this. So I actually, I left and got home it's about three in the morning, signed onto the computer and signed up to the waiting list, really, really drunk. And <laughs> a week later, they had an entry um, had opened up for me. And is that literally what triggered your recovery? Is that like where you turn, I mean, do you still it, use alcohol in a social setting now or are you one of these people that has been like, I'm on the road to recovery, no alcohol, zero, zero? It's, no, I, so I actually didn't. I, I never quit, like quit at cold turkey. I did for a little bit, but until I was com- I'm never in terms of being an alcoholic, I a lot of my problems were came from drinking too much, but mm-hmm. I drank as much as an alcoholic um, would. I think the fam the whole family setting for me really prevented well stopped Just me from you settled me so it's sort of every now and again I have one but I, there's rare times where I drink to excess anymore mm. um, but the family setting is really something that's that's I think had a ma- major um, effect on it. And you're now a dad as well. I am. Okay, almost about to be dad for the second time. Congratulations. So excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and one girl, one on the way. Yes. Is that also something? I mean, how old's puppy now? She must She's be... She's a year, about, about a year and six months. So you, a little bit older. You became yeah. a dad quite soon after returning back to the family home. Is that I correct? did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And has that also instigated then this will to, I guess, turn, turn the ship around and head in a new direction? Um, and I think, yeah, I think the family um, thing is, has ch- just as much or even more to do with how quickly I've recovered mm-hmm. than the running aspect. Yeah. The running aspect's great because <laughs> it keeps me keeps me motivated and and I set goals for myself so to keep me um, keep me going. But the family aspect sort of keeps me in check and keeps me wanting wanting to I, I don't know just do my best for you know my daughters and and you know Jess my wife so um, yeah. I'm really interested to dig into how you balance fatherhood with the running aspirations in a little bit, but yeah. I'm, I'm also, I, I really wanted to raise this concept of using running as a way to, I don't want to say heal mental health, but to address mental yeah. health issues because I've certainly been criticized over it in the past. And more recently I was asked to contribute to a book that's been written by someone over in Europe on running and mental health and one of the questions they posed to me was uh 
how does running heal your mental health? And I was like, oh, I think that's a really dangerous place to go. Yeah. And I've worked, um, as you know, as a consultant and a life coach, and I've just seen time and time again people almost proudly stating that they use running to address their depression or to address a mental health challenge. The problem I see is when you suddenly can't run yeah. or uh, you suddenly fall out of love with running. <laughs> and it's no different to what you were talking about earlier about the ending of a long-term relationship. Yeah. Like it has a similar effect. So what are your thoughts on this and using running as a healing mechanism? <sighs> I think yeah. Look, I think it's I think it's it's good, but I mean, for me, it was it's it's about getting outside, not necessarily running, but just getting outside and and sort of in nature and um, just away from the things that just cause can cause you so much grief and worry. What I, would you say they are for you? I well, I ever since I worry about money because. Mm. Money's still something that I carry over from my past because um, I'm still paying it off, and it prevents me from doing things and mm. looking after my family. I think I just I just worry about trying to fix everything and trying to help everyone. Trying to help everyone. Um, so there's all these things going in my head, um, and I'm trying to fit them in, uh, trying to organise them in my head. But when I get outside, I'm not like I'm not thinking about that anymore. So. I think that's that's the huge effect that it has on me. Um, it allows me to forget, you know, just to forget about life for a while, uh, even if it's for a couple of hours, and I come back a bit, a bit refreshed and ready to sort of tackle it again. But I just, I, everything, everything sort of goes a hundred miles an hour um, in my head. Yeah, I must say I hear that. I mean, even today. It's just been a really, really full day and um, a really, really exciting day, positive day, but really full day. And I came home thinking about this podcast and my brain just felt fragmented. And, you know, I went out the door for a half an hour jog, like not for any other reason than to just try and slow, slow the mind. So I, I can really yes. hear that about running yeah. more so probably than other sports. You find that? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's just about being overwhelmed um and thinking about that everything as a as a whole i don't know i just just there's been sort of instances where you know there's been too many things to handle and then i've just gotten up I just can't do it <laughs> so i'm just gonna forget about it all but yeah i think going just get, getting outside for me and away just away out of out of the house um for me for a little bit actually makes makes things a lot clearer and um you know, trying to tackle thing one at a time and not not everything yeah. at the same time. Because you're now an ambassador for Speak Up, Stay Chatty, which is a local charity that that's started right. um, by a guy called Mitch yep. who started in honour of his brother Ty who committed suicide. That's right. Um, it's it's an incredible organisation and we see the bumper car stickers everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... I guess the concept of Speak Up Stay Chatty is to encourage particularly men to speak up when they realise that they're not coping with something in a proper, or not proper way, that's the wrong wording, in a way that is going to help them. Yes. And yet running, and like we've been talking about it, is quite an isolating thing, as yeah. in we often do it on our own, and it's it's not 
often, like like we're talking about, it's almost to some degree running away from things. Yes. How are there other? What are the other ways that you have? address these challenges for yourself or encourage other people to address challenges so i mean one of the one of the things that we've been i've been doing of late um which has been great is every sort of sunday um take a group of people up to the mountain you know it's sort of not about you know how fast we are or it's, it's just sort of taking people up and out in nature and and we find with the small groups just chatting and talking about what's going on has been really sort of really good, um, not only for me because I open up to people um, and, you know, some pe- sometimes people sort of, you know, let, let us know what's going on. But they after the run they sort of go, hey, you know, thanks for the, thanks for the, the talk. It, it's really sort of, you know, really, really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just you're just doing something. You're, you're out there and you're just doing something, but you kind of I think you kind of feel safe because it's, it's out of the way from everything and, you, you know, you. it's just nice to be able to get out what you're, what you're thinking and um, yeah. and not feel like you're being judged by it. Yeah. And I think the great thing about what we've built is everyone sort of trusts everyone and, and we're all good friends and it creates that sort of safe space where you can actually have that, you know, you can have that sort of conversation and, you know, we can just talk about it sort of quite freely. So... I mean, it's, I think it's important to have groups like that, uh, whether it, whether it's up the up the mountain or you're going to yeah you go to your local coffee shop with a, a few mates every now and again, but um, finding that person that you do feel most comfortable with, and everyone has that person, mm-hmm. and it's, sometimes it's hard to find, but um, and you know having a having a chat, but and that's when when sort of anything starts to become a bit too overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I. I love what you've created, and I know you, that that came about with soulmates, wasn't it? Uh, not really. No, no, it was. Yes, yeah, so it was a. Yeah, so it was a, a group of mates um, that sort of started it, and there was just basically the th- three three of us: Adrian Halliday. He's we're all part of soulmates as well, um, and it was sort of just yeah, we wanted to just um, go and find all the trails because we all weren't very comfortable and we got like the first few times we got quite lost um and we weren't all quite comfortable in the trails up there because there's so many to choose from and then we kind of thought well you know this would be the same for everyone and it's probably Mm. the reason why a lot of people don't go up there because they're afraid of getting lost and you know it's quite intimidating look at the mountain as well but if you have people that you feel safe with and can direct you and show you the way um more people are sort of open to actually come out, coming out, and and there the reactions on people's face, especially with seeing the snow and the covered trails, is priceless. Yeah, it's there's something so beautiful, and I think that's what hooked me with Find Your Feet is yeah. just giving people these windows into place that you get from running along a trail. I just yeah. think it's beautiful, um, but. That it is a lot of responsibility, and you mentioned that you you know you love helping people, and you're often thinking about other people. I've learned from my own experience that I need I need external support. Like I can't just run, and I can't just try and knuckle in and solve a problem for myself. Sometimes it goes a bit deeper than that. I also have learned that it's not always great 
to to dump it on your husband or your wife, your yeah. wife yeah. Um, given that you know the the role that they have in our lives so do you seek external support do you do internal work or mindfulness meditation any more formal practices be, um so meditation i've been using on and off um i'm not the greatest at it but i'm getting better at it it, <laughs> it seems and it, it does yeah. it does really it does really work because i struggle to get to sleep because i'm once i'm wide awake i'm I use that time to think about things, what I'm going to do the next day and, and that sort of thing. So, and I don't get a, a hell of a lot of sleep, so it's it's quite important. But um, I really should. I I did in the past seek seek external help, but I I've sort of it's since sort of I I thought to myself, oh yeah, I'm you know I'm a bit better now. So, mm-hmm. but it, as you do mention, because become a bit of an ambassador and and I I try and promote good mental health and that sort of thing it sort of does attract quite a few people that you know send me messages and and sort of ask for advice and that sort of thing I'm, I'm not a trained professional at all so sometimes it can be quite burdening having uh, a lot of people's stories one mm. and trying to help people deal with their you know their stories and and me trying to deal with what I'm dealing with at the time so yeah it can be it can become um quite hard and I I sort of beat myself up some a lot of time trying to um you know trying to help fix their problems Mm. um which I know is is so unachievable from from coming from me um but you know I just like to be able to try and help in any way possible and I think sometimes it can be my downfall (laughs) Yeah, but at the same time, you were saying earlier, like you, you're not really sure what your career is, no. but you can hear that you have, you have a real beauty, a real strength, and a big heart that you wear on your sleeve of like loving to help people. And yeah, I shouldn't be giving advice on a podcast, but if I was working with you as a life coaching client. I'd, you know, I'd be definitely angling you to, to explore that as a yeah. as an opportunity because it's clear you can hear it, you love it, and you're obviously very very good at it. I guess in all of that, there's there's a definite stigma, isn't there, about speaking up and and wanting to get help. Yeah. How, what's your experience with that and with <coughs> other people's stories as well? Well, it's it's interesting because when I first the way I used to think about mental health was like a lots of lots of people that probably still think about it. You know, it's someone that's in, you know in a, a you know a loony crazy sort of person in a like a hospital sort of thing, and that's that's just how I I saw it as a young um, teenager. Mm. And for people like to realise how common it is, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, and. Um, <clears throat> I think for me it was there's that there's that whole sense of feeling like a failure mm-hmm. and you know feeling like you're a burden on on someone else as well. So those two are the biggest things I think that prevent they were the biggest thing that prevent prevented me for so long. I was trying to pre- pre- I was pretending to be someone else really just to pretend that I was doing really good, especially after the breakup. You know. I um, 
and that's partly why I, I guess I went out a lot and, and sort of, you know, just pretended that I was having a really good time, which ultimately I'd get home and I'd be, you know, I'd actually be crying and, and I wouldn't be, I'd be, it'd be a, um, yeah, just a really terrible experience. So, mm-hmm. um, I think people, yeah, people try so hard to be, to make people think that they're doing really good. Um, and it, that's quite an exhausting thing. Yeah. Um, whether in turn it's, and that's why people, it's hard to, to, you know, hard to identify people that people are actually struggling at all because they do it behind closed doors. It's uh, so true. Yeah. It, and it, it is so true. You know, I like, you can't claim to understand someone else. I mean, you can't, yeah, you can't claim to understand someone else's story, but you can empathize with it. And when yeah. you, you talk about that, you know, it just flicks me back to 2008 when I was, you know, I was finishing a teaching degree. I had a med- medical science degree. I was teaching in a private girls' school. I was um, the Australian marathon champion, New Zealand marathon champion, world orienteering champion. Like, you know, from the outside looking in, I had everything switched on. Yeah. And yet, when the doors were closed and I was away from the public eye, any eye, even my parents' eye, I couldn't, I couldn't eat. Like, so I went down the, the lines of anorexia as my addiction to yeah. trying to cope with this feeling of just like life spinning out of control and you have no idea who to tell. Like, yeah, I look like I've got my A game, but I'm, I'm really failing. <laughs> I think, and I think from, and I mean, social media's got a, a hell of a lot of bad, yeah. um, bad thing to play with that because, you know, you can, people can, you can upload your life events and, yeah. and I think, um, people can quite easily just upload things to say, oh, you know, this has happened, it's, it's so great. And, yeah. but, and you don't even have to front and face up to the fact you can just pretend, you know, pretend everything's great just by, um, you know, social media. So I find it really, really hard for my type of brain. I mean, I, I'm a very much a type A personality and I, I don't know how you would identify yourself but one of these people that's quite a perfectionist and definitely needs to have their their life switched into gear all the time and I'll be walking home and I will have had a fantastic day and I'll be even thinking almost congratulating myself on maybe something that I'm really proud of for that day and I'll get home and I'll look on social media and there will be someone on social media posting something that good on them is is awesome and like it's nice to celebrate Mm. but my brain immediately kicks into oh gee maybe I didn't do that well enough maybe I could have done that better you know like it's just this it is it's like this place where we always promote the good isn't it and it's it is yeah 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 and and you you would yeah you would struggle to find um honest sort of this is how you know this is something that's bad or you know like I just I just think it's it's turned sort of evolved into a platform where we we do, you know, we upload our, our, you know, our best moments and um, our achievements and that sort of thing. So. And if we're not responding to friends' posts immediately, you also feel like a bad person or a bad even, friend. Even, like, it, it, it sounds bad, but just even because my birthday was the other, the other day, um, I feel bad not wishing people keeping up with all the birthdays, trying to trying to post and wish people a happy birthday. Yeah. So when I received all these birthday um, 
you know, wishes to yesterday, I, I um, or the day before, they um, I felt bad because I hadn't, I knew uh, I hadn't wished them a happy birthday. So it I was, empathize with that as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are some brains that can do social media, but yeah. there are some of us where we evidently can't, and there are probably other avenues as well, not just social media, that trigger, I guess. Um, bouts of this kind of quite depressive or so. yeah. critical internal voice. Um, what what are your triggers? Have you learnt to identify the triggers that sort of take you one step back, not one step forwards? No, not re- not really. Um, and I, it becomes becomes tough because it then yeah it I don't know when to uh yeah to sort of leave <laughs> when mm-hmm. I, when there is but. I don't know. It's a process of evolution though. You know, I think it's, it's good to be able to recognize them, but the most important thing is to, to know what helps you when you're feeling blue and can move forward. And I think that's, that's what I've sort of got down to a T now. And, um, and I think having a, um, having sort of a relationship where you're open about it is probably, you know, is probably the, the big key into, being able to, um, you know, be able to look after yourself when you are, you know, in a bad, bad way. So, um, you know, Jess is really, we've, we sort of talk about everything that mm. that's going on. So it's, that's sort of our policy. So, yeah. Was that hard for you right at the beginning to, to talk about the fact that, you know, you knew you needed to kind of make changes and you needed to be able to talk about this with other people? Yes. I mean... I was, I, early, early on, I think once, once I sort of opened up to, I, like, I mean, I hadn't fully opened up to my parents, but I, they knew I wasn't doing too well, so part of going, going back, um, and they didn't really press me too much at all, they just let me, let me go, but over the years, I just kind of felt like it was just good good recovery to just slowly start talking about it because I didn't feel like I was getting a whole lot better without having you know getting it out um putting it out there yeah putting it out there so having um yeah having identifying those people that you can talk to I mean everyone's approach everyone's usually approachable anyway it's just Mm. whoever you might be able to feel more comfortable talking to I think is the is the key but um and it's yeah. amazing. You can feel so... I remember the first time I, I really asked for help and realising I really needed to kind of get my health back on track in my mind as well. But um, asking for help and then I remember telling my, my friend about the incident which triggered everything for me, which was a really severe mental health episode of my father yeah. where we nearly lost him. And, um, and it was... My friend turned to me and said oh, that happened to me last year too. And she was one of my best friends. And I had absolutely no idea because it was kind of felt like you you couldn't talk about it. And then the more I started opening up and talking about all different challenges that I'd had with mental health from myself through to my family's health, then the more people I realized had really similar stories. And, um, and I think there's a real beauty in that coming together and sharing these yeah. stories because we learn from one another and we grow strong together. Yep. Yeah. 
It's amazing. It's just I, I think there's just there's just a fear that people were just gonna are gonna yeah look at them the wrong way mm. and just you know they're gonna just treat them completely different. Have you ever of, had a situation where someone's seen your story as a weakness in you? Like, has that ever been a problem? Um, not not that they've really yeah. not um talked to me about it. And there uh, you go. So yeah, you you never know. Um, maybe they are but I mean I personally have never never had someone turn around after I've told them something or yeah. you know been open about it and them go oh you know I thought you were better than that or whatever that yeah. derogatory I comment think, could be but I think the for my yeah my group of friends and everyone that I've spoken to sort of I think um have a good understanding yeah a better understanding now um but you know, if you, I guess, if you spoke about it, yeah, somewhere where it still, you know, still, still lies, it would be that case. But yeah, I think things are changing now, and I, I'm, I hope that those comments about never, either of us never having a, a negative comment back at us gives people confidence to be able to stand up and say something's not right, yeah. I need a hand. And then looking to avenues like, you know, like our running to kind of get your life back on track and finding yeah. groups that you feel supported amongst. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. I think, because um, I used to, I, I ran, ran alone for a long, long period of time and it was good, but, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just good to be able to have a chat to someone while you're running. So um, joining a few joining a few groups of people. But the thing is, as soon as I started joining groups of runners, you're sort of networking and meeting new people. And then they have very similar avenues and, and amazing stories on how they got into running too. And it's it's very it's such a very, it's a very similar situation. Mm. Um, and it's, it usually ties, ties back to mental health yeah. as well. I found though that, being open and talking about this was was a really was the key step to moving forward into to getting my life back on track and um I've found that even turning 30 kind of was a, a bit of a head spinning occasion and I began working again with um with a coach performance consultant who's also a psychologist to you know make sure that I kind of kept in check with myself because I I kind of do think that it keeping your like we, we spend so much time, especially as athletes, focusing on our physical strength and preparation for goals. Yeah. I don't think we spend much time, really any of us, working on our emotional or mental health. Do you agree with that statement? I think so, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so I've definitely found doing this internal work and coming to understand you know, what I value in life and what my goals are around that and not being so black and white and thinking I can't set a goal because I'm afraid I might fail at that. Um, but realizing there's a shade of gray in the middle where, you know, you may land, um, is also good. So, yeah, yeah. I think, um, cause I'm right now I'm, I'm a very goal orientated person and I, um, I do get quite depressed if I'm not, if I feel like I'm not working towards anything and mm. I feel kind of feel like I, I am sort of, going backwards and not really and I don't know if I'm just compensating for those you know eight or nine years of um my life but um I just like to yeah 
it, like, I just like to throw myself into these because I've spent so many years saying, like, brushing the opportunities off and saying no and, you know, because I didn't think I was good enough. But now it's just sort of, I just you just say yes and just get to it when you, you know, basically, if even if it's something outrageous that you've, you know, you didn't think you'd do, you just go, you just, I just say yes to it. And just jump in. Jump, jump yeah. in and, um, but, you know, I... There's that, yeah, there's that, as you said, there's that massive fear of failure all the, all the time. And as, a, as I keep pushing these these goals bigger and bigger. Um, <laughs> that fear get, just must get they bigger get, and bigger. Yeah, but I try not to, I try not to worry about them in the lead up. Do you ever worry about not being able to run? I guess it's coming back to that concept of using running as one of your anchors to your better self. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really really beautiful thing but it can be quite a dangerous thing especially running it's quite daunting no because yeah. it's it's one of my only avenues at, at this stage and um right i guess yeah because i realize it's sort of my a, a lot of my, a huge portion of my life revolves around it at the moment yeah um and i know when i do have um bouts of having a few weeks off i it can become that catch 22 sort of thing where you just it doesn't you know if you're having time off for an injury, you know, um, you're getting better from the injury, but you're not, you're still not feeling well from not running. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one to, to do, but I, I, um, yeah, I sometimes worry about not being able to do some of those things because a lot of my goals revolve around running as well. So do you have gleams of inspiration for how you might address that challenge for you? Something like, Give it, is there any inspiration we can glean from that potentially? Um, it's a hard question, I know. As in for me or for... Yeah, other? for you. You know, if if you know that that's a risk factor for you. Yeah. I mean, I had, to be honest, I haven't really addressed it because I, I think it's a question that I... Because I found, going back to the whole career thing, I, I didn't think I could find something that I really, you know, I was really passionate about. So, and I sort of found, found something that I'm passionate about and now, yeah, I, you know, it's hard to think about anything else. So, um, I know it's, it's there, it's sitting there in the back of my head and, um, I've really got to, I got to dress it cause I can't run forever. So, yeah. and some of the things that I'm, I'm doing, I'm probably, you know, there's going to be a time out. So yeah, now you brought it up, I'm probably going to have to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, it was a massive fear working with adults who, you know, excited about running, but I've just seen it happen time and time again where yeah. there's not that, that balanced argument and when running gets taken away from them for whatever reason and it, and it's, it can be injury, it can be yeah. relationships, um, it can be they fall out of love with it, but it is like a long-term relationship ending. It is, yeah. It's a loss of of some sort and I, I think um, I guess you've just I always say sort of you know try and do more of the things that you love because you know whether people I think people have sort of gone away from that and have just sort of they go through their daily lives just doing the things that they need to do but they forget to keep you know keep time for themselves to just do those things they used to do especially even as a child you know some of the things that they really wanted to do mm. but they think oh no, I don't have time or I think it's just just need to pick something that they you know they've always loved or they really want to do and just 
try and make some time for that because it's just so important. It is. It's so important. Um, and it's just important for staying youthful and playful yeah. and um, inspired and dreaming, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because if you, I guess if you're just doing, if you're doing your daily sort of, it, it well, everything becomes a chore in the end. And, you know, when it becomes a chore, you're not really, you know, you're not really invested in it. So having that, you know, having that something that's out of the ordinary, but is kind of like your treat. It become, it <laughs> become, like it, it does, it becomes, it becomes this thing that sort of you look forward to, but it, it, it can become so effective when, you know, when you actually go and do it. Because yeah. because you you're so um, you're spending most of your day doing doing all your all your chores really and your work and that sort of thing. So. It's so true, yeah. So going then to the running, um, you obviously love it. <laughs> you have no yeah. no problem with the motivation yeah. side. Do you follow a training plan or? Um, I've never been, never followed a training plan. Um, I tried following yours actually, <laughs> but I'm the sort of, no, but like yours is really great. I just, to be honest, um, you had to say that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, um, I actually, I don't follow a training plan because I got into running because I loved running. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to turn it into a chore basically. I didn't want to turn it into something I had to do. I know I've had to sort of sort of get, go towards that a bit more because I want to get, I've got to the crossroads where I need to get a little bit better well, to achieve some of my goals. So I've sort of moved a little bit towards that, but it's, it's a very loose, loose plan. But I, um, I don't, I can't follow a certain plan, especially with my family mm. situation at the moment. It's quite refreshing to hear someone actually acknowledge that and go, it's not for me. Or yeah. maybe yet, you can add yeah. as a word to the end of that statement. But one way I like to think of it is that um, you might have a training structure. Like a structure to me is a bit looser and it, it's a, it's guiding principles, but within that there's a lot of wriggle room and play. Yeah. Um, and just today I was consulting with a guy who's a um, runs a building labourer business and we were talking about the challenges that he has with three young daughters, wow. twins and another girl and also running this business and how he has to have this ability to be flexible. Um, he's come from yeah. a cycling background and wants to keep playing with his cycling and he just wants to keep it joyful. And, you know, we were talking about understanding the underlying principles of training, but then around that, just being yeah. playful with it. It's amazing what you can achieve. Yeah, I just, I, um, I think I guess now you're saying that I do like I do follow some sort of regular runs runs per week. So and it you know it become it sort of evolved around trying to um, spend time running, but also spend the most amount of time with my family. So it doesn't because ultimately I want to you know I I don't want it to impact mm. uh, my family life. So um, it just means sometimes very early mornings and but you know it I, I do it because I really want to do it so um and I you know I really love spending time with my family so um just got to juggle juggle everything I guess hmm. it's really interesting so with the running I mean we've mentioned that it's become a place of salvation 
Do you find that you have any self-judgment with your running? Do, does an, cr- the critiquing voice kick in ever or is it, uh, is it just enjoyable? I don't know. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got to the stage where I, um, I've, yeah, it's the competitive, like I'm, I've always been an extremely competitive person and that's probably why I set the bar pretty high early on. I don't know. I, I think, um, I'll be a bit, I'm always pretty hard on myself depending on how I go. And I, I guess I, it might be just built up because I expect so much from myself, um, and sort of predict, try and predict where, how my, how it might go and that sort of thing. So it can be, you know, when, when things sort of happen and don't happen the way that I, you know, I thought it would go, it can be quite, it can quite, yeah, be quite terrible. Um, How do you put that voice back in its box? Do you have a strategy for that? Not really. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got to this, I like when you get to the stage where you just, you just, you're just too exhausted to even think about anything, but <laughs> before then, well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great, it's I'm not, not going to follow strategy. that path. No. Um, that's after the hundred Ks. So it's all right. Um, it is a good feeling actually. It is. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, 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 um, it's just lots, I don't know. Lots happen. It's, it's hard to understand until you do, until you do the longer distances and you just talk to yourself a lot. And it, it's as, as funny as it sounds, it's sort of, there's a lot, you know, there's songs playing in your head and there's like, it really just becomes a conversation with yourself. And, um, I just, I, what I do is I just try and think of, uh, just all the good things. So I try and think of, um, my family, um, mainly. So, um, and yeah, just, the just some of the, and the, for some reason, um, a couple of songs always, there was, a, there's usually about two songs that usually just keep playing on repeat. <laughs> um, and currently they're, um, a lot of poppies, um, kids shows. So, <laughs> so they, I had two of those playing for yeah for about 22 hours so that's, that's wonderful it's pretty tough yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it makes me but in ten, in in the end it makes me think of poppy and, yeah and that so it's yeah it's good yeah how interesting this conversation i mean what i really glean from this conversation is that um a real honesty you know, a real honesty and a willingness to share your story, even though you don't yet have all the answers to your own no. challenges and struggles. And I guess what I really want to empathize and emphasize, I should say, is that that is okay. Um, yeah. I don't think any of us have our, I shouldn't say, but shit together, you know, and I don't think any of us should ever be expected to have the answers. And if we all sat back and waited to share our stories or waited to do things Till we had those answers, yeah. we'd never get off the couch. I think I think sometimes society has sort of dictated how we how we should you know how we should live our lives or how it should be, and um, people try and follow that and mm. expect that everything's supposed to happen at a certain time, and you know when it doesn't, it, it can become you know quite awful. But um, you know, I I I'm always I just want to be as genuine as possible, and and but yeah, I haven't figured out half the, you know, it just keeps coming out. So basically whenever I put something up on just 
share a thought on my social media and that sort of thing, it's usually I'll it'll pop into my head that night mm. and I'll have to I'll basically have to I'll sit there type it out and then I'll just put it out there. So yeah, um, and it will it just it, every now and again I just um, or if I'm sitting by myself it will just pop into my head and um, and I just have to share it because I know lots of people would be thinking the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I I think both both of us are sitting here fully agreeing that one of the easiest ways to move forward for ourselves is is to talk about it and and to sometimes be willing enough to say I don't know I need a hand um anyone got the answer to this you know I need help like I think there's a real beauty in in reaching out to people I think though one as a healer and as someone in that healing industry and educational industry is that one of the best things we can say to someone else is me too you know that you're you're not alone like I can't claim to understand your story but I can empathize with it me too yeah Um, I really love that um but I also do think and my take on all of this is that we we do need to be willing to continue continue the internal work Especially if we're demanding so much of ourselves in the physical environment where there's a risk that that can get taken away from us. Um, I think the stronger we can understand who Hani or who Ben is when you peel back all your layers and are left with nothing, um, I think the stronger your foundations are and it's easier to build a large pyramid on a strong foundation than a large pyramid on a small one. So So true. I've kind of... um, you know, it's really hard to do the internal work and sometimes like you, you end up confronting things that you really just don't want to talk about and don't want to think about again. But I think kind of when you get your head around them and you you can paint them in a different light, there's so much we can learn from those occasions. Um, so that's my, my little take, on, <laughs> take yeah. on it. But um, so going forward, um, you mentioned... Uh, in conversation and in email before this podcast that you would love to support other people with running and trail running as a means of healing Mm. um, via some form of program. Yeah. Can you talk about that aspiration? I, um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of sort of a lot of awareness and sort of raising raising funds through some of the challenges that I do, and and that's sort of the, that's sort of how I've been, how I was sort of giving back, and um, it sort of slowly started to evolve into, you know, more more hands on and work. But I really wanted to, I really want to help people, you know, th- actually you know through running and and um, yeah, be more hands on rather than sort of you know more social media sites. So. Um, it's sort of a bit of a work in progress. I haven't. It's all in my head, and I've just got to type it out. But um, basically, what we what I'm what, trying to do is have a bit of a program for people that either have been affected by mental health or just having a real real tough tough time. Um, be a small group to start off with, but basically it would be basically be the lead up to a to to do a fifty k run. Um, and it'd be, obviously it'd be ultra trail lead up to ultra trail Australia, but what I'd be doing is we'd start from scratch and we'd have we'd have a group um, of people and um, as a bit of a it's a support network, 
And what it would do is um, we'd go through all the basics. We'd go out two to three times a week um, for either a, a walk or a run or up the mountain. We'd sort of teach them all the different um, things about trail running, hopefully have people in to, you know, speak and help them out and, and just try and create a bit of a um, bit of a support network as well. So after hopefully eventually they get to that stage where we can go over all together go over to the trip and run or you know, run and walk that 50 kilometer run and they all sort of you know go over the finish line and sort of they've just done something pretty crazy and something that they've never you know thought they'd <laughs> they ever do before they could do. um and then you know after it everyone sort of keeps in contact and and that becomes that sort of support network as well and you know i'll have sort of the online so everyone can sort of contact each other online and yeah, but it's more sort of kind of doing the whole path that I, I sort of took for, through my road to Ultra Trail Australia, but having it more as a, a bit of a, yeah, group orientated thing. Hands. Yeah. Well, yeah. we would, I reckon there'd be lots of people out here who, who hear your story today and want to reach out to you and we'll definitely provide some links over to your social media so that they can make contact around the idea. Um, I too have been having a, a concept around this notion of Athletes Anonymous because I think that lots of athletes get to points where there might be a struggle point or there might be a lack of knowledge um, or there just might need to be that I need a bit of mojo. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I want to create an environment and a space which doesn't rely on everyone needing to keep up with one another to have these conversations yeah. that... We can have these kinds of conversations in a room, something relatively similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. where it's a facilitated discussion around, um, yeah, our, our goals and our dreams and our challenges and sharing that. So, yeah, it is, a, I think, a space where there isn't, there actually isn't a lot being done. I mean, there's no. a lot of running groups and there's a lot of coaches, but there's not a lot of opportunities for a broad cross-section of people to come together and, and to share their knowledge and stories. So, yeah, I think, like, if people want to get behind these ideas, like, it'd be really cool for them to reach out to yeah, you. Definitely. And, I mean, obviously, I'm here as well and reach out to me um, because I think the more of us that are willing to stand up and, and share our stories and provide support, I think the more people will see getting on the trails and getting out there and achieving some massive goals pretty cool it is pretty cool yeah um i guess like i love to finish every podcast with a couple of like really short answer questions so yeah uh, i think these are these kind of get us all thinking about our answers to them so the first of them is um i wonder what you think your greatest strength is <laughs> that's actually really hard for me to be honest yeah um I don't know. What's the first thing that comes to the top of your mind when you think about it? I don't know. I just the the ability to be to be friendly with people. That's that's yeah, sort of what I I I just enjoy, you know, being nice to people. Um, yeah, and genuinely nice to people. There's a difference, I think, and your genuineness comes across so beautifully all the time. I mean, I oh, thank you. <laughs> spent a lot of time with you nowadays. Um, what about your greatest aspiration? Oh, they, it keeps changing so <laughs> so often. That's um, I don't know. It's um, 
so to to date or just yeah, yeah today sitting here right now um I'd have to be becoming a father really <laughs> that was the like yeah it's just the most amazing feeling really like and sort of say seeing uh, a baby born is just it's just crazy like and mm-hmm. the it's a it's a feeling that you sort of you've never never witnessed like without you know going through it so it's sort of yeah it's easily my greatest accomplishment oh that's sure. beautiful and what about your greatest fear uh, greatest fear is probably going back to that stage of um where I was probably at least four or five years ago and yeah not being able to provide for my family I suppose mm. but yeah that's probably the two big ones yeah yeah but you're making some huge steps away from that these yeah days, so yeah yeah so I don't don't often think about it but yeah mm. and what about one final word of advice for anyone listening any advice any advice um don't you know don't worry about setting the bar at any you know too high I don't think I don't think anything can be out of it our reach really um and don't you know don't say don't say no to anything just just I know it's a big it's a it's it's a tough thing to to do but if you know if, if there's something that that may not be you know something that you usually would do just just roll with it and see how it goes because um, so many different things have happened for me since I've just sort of been um, just going with the flow. Um, so many opportunities, my confidence has sort of gone gone up just by um, going out of my comfort zone a little bit. And also try and find that, find that person that you're really comfortable with or, you know, you are good friends with and, and just, yeah, just have a chat with them. You don't even have to really bring up what you're going through, but just every every weekend, just you know, see what they're up to, and even if it's just having a coffee or something, because it can make a huge difference. Yeah, Ben, today today's been really beautiful, a really honest, open discussion around challenges with mental health, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story. I think all of us, male and female, um, will get a lot out of that. I hope so. And I hope that it inspires everyone to to also voice their experiences and share stories and engage with this podcast today. So thank you. Thank you. Everyone's got an amazing story to tell. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.